The perfect combination of versatile athleisure and training apparel has arrived. Thanks to the visionary minds of New Balance, Clutch Athletics, and Rich Paul, the designs reflect the heart of the athlete and the spirit of the community. With rising defensive stars Will Anderson and Chase Young on the roster, Clutch Athletics brings the best innovative gear to all athletes, giving them style and performance on and off the field. Learn more and purchase Clutch Athletics at NewBalance.com. The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads ensure you can take on any adventure. Available H-Track all-wheel drives so you can take on the dirt trails and kick up some mud. Standard third-row seating so your whole family can experience the thrill together. Available dual wireless charging pads so no one gets stuck in the great outdoors with a dead phone. Whether you're tailgating out in the dirt lot, Carter Finley, shout out Carter Finley, or whether you're whitewater rafting, taking the entire family on an adventurous trip, maybe you're out camping at Mount Rogers. I used to go as a kid, wish my parents had a Hyundai Santa Fe. The Hyundai Santa Fe is perfect for your family outing. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Big Six Podcast, CBS Sports NFL Podcast. I'm Will Brinson, and this show is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook. Make every moment more. Joined today by John Breach and Tyler Sullivan, a.k.a. Sully, Ryan Wilson, deep in the draft weeds, maybe fired as a super friend. Who's to say? We might have upgraded. Let me, let me upgrade. Remember that? That's that's an old, like, 90s reference. Uh, anyway, gentlemen, how are we doing? What's going on, guys? How are you doing? Happy to be here. Hello, new you, super friend. I mean, I, I think, I mean, I, Sully's, Sully's been doing a lot of these shows, so get used to Sully hanging around. And I hope, Sully, that for your sake, it means that they adjust your uh, work-life balance, or your work-work balance. Your Actually, work, Brinson, do not get used to Solly hanging around because I believe he's going to be gone for like two weeks in March on his honeymoon. Uh, so just when you get used to him, that mean breakup will come. You'll be sad he's not here. And then... Uh, guess, wait, wait, wait you, did, you get, did you already get married? Or when are you getting married? No, I'm just giving you a little taste right now. I'm here this week. I get married on Saturday. And You're married I'm, on Saturday? And then like I'm gone five days away? Weeks. This Saturday? Oh, my this, God. This Saturday, we're, we're you know, I'm uh, making an honest woman out of her. Well, and congratulations, yeah. Dolly. Remember when he said he would give up his married life for $6 million? That's and, like, I, and you oh. know what? That's still on the table for a few more days. <laughs> it's still on the still table. Still on the table for a few more years, buddy. Ain't the day. It's interesting timing to take your honeymoon in the middle of NFL free agency, but you know, it's, I come like right either, back for it. I, I had this perfectly in the window. I come oh, you're, back you're sneaking. In, okay. Yeah, yeah. So you're getting married on the, you're getting married during the combo. I mean, look, it's like, you're not getting married during the season. That's all that matters. Um, you know, like there's a really, really small window. If you, if you truly want to eliminate all NFL coverage from your, from your nuptials. And it's at a certain point, it's, you know, like the, the 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 bride the bride to be may push back a touch, and I would guess that's what happened in this case. So you're getting married two weeks after the Super Bowl. Good for you, Sully. Pump for you, buddy. Thank you. Um, obviously, our invitations lost in the mail. Yeah, there's some. Um, I find them. I think I invited no Wilson. To, to, I, think, I think Wilson came. Did Wilson come to my wedding? I can't remember. This is a long time ago. Anyway, I can say that Brinson was at my you wedding. Go to, you and go we to my ran, We ran you out can... of alcohol within 20 minutes. We did. We Brinson got drunk at your wedding. Yeah. Just smashing bottles of wine. Sully says, I'm not invited to your wedding. You're not invited to my next wedding. Anyway. Sully's like, our alcohol budget $30,000. We can't invite Princeton. So if you're watching on YouTube, hit that like button. Make sure to subscribe. If you're listening to any of the podcast platforms, give us a five-star review. Uh, today is February 20th, 2024. And that means the franchise tag window and transition tag window is open for NFL teams. Um, we're going to dive into what – Sort of that, like what sort of the, uh, a primer on it for those that don't know. If you do know, I mean, we'll try and make it sort of the gloss 30,000 viewpoint, but also the important details. Um, I also think it's like interesting to note, you know, we started, I started doing this for CBS in 2011. And 
it's very different how NFL teams are handling the franchise tag than they used to be. Used to be the window would open and they would slap the tag and be like, we've tagged this guy. And now the NFL teams are really trying to treat it sort of more respectfully. Like they, they like to wait until like as long as possible because they don't want to make it look like they're abusing this functionality of the CBA that all players hate. Um, uh, Brent, reality to your is, point, I have a fun fact to add to that. Over the past oh. six years, there have only been three players tagged in the month of February. So there you to your go. point, they are absolutely slowing down and, and not just running out on first tag day and saying, tag, there's your contract. Well, and, and I would I would suggest that I would, I don't think this is like a collusion accusation or anything like that, but the franchise tag is painted every time there's a new collective bargaining negotiation as a, something that is the players want to get rid of. And so teams don't want to draw attention to it in a hyper negative way each year. Now the tag has gotten so big, it's not that crazy to play on it. And I think some players, you know, these running backs are the low number, obviously they don't want to do it. I understand when you get tagged, you're, it's like, you know, you're not getting that security, but the way that medicine is advanced and, you know, with a fully guaranteed one year deal and it grows to, so if you get tagged one year and you get tagged the second year, it's 120%. So if one year fully guaranteed contract, um, there's a non-exclusive and exclusive tag. Uh, and Sully, maybe the best way to sort of, the best example of that is last year with Lamar Jackson, who was given the non-exclusive tag. Yeah, and you know, you mentioned a quarterback there. You know, you say, yeah, some players don't like it, most players don't like it, but you look at a guy like Kirk Cousins, too. He's made a ton of money waiting it out, getting the franchise tag. I mean, he's a candidate this year. Dak Prescott. I mean, you know, yeah, Dak Prescott's another one. When you get these guaranteed deals, and again, quarterbacks are a little bit different, but ultimately, it is a good avenue if you're trying to get just a ton of cash up front quickly. But I do understand from a from a player standpoint that you do want that long-term stability. I mean, you know, I was on HQ with Brian McFadden yesterday and he was talking just about that. Like, hey, you know, yeah, sure, the upfront money's great, but a lot of these players are fighting to get to that second contract. They want to get paid a lot of money and also have that long-term security. It oftentimes happens when they're coming out of these rookie deals yep. and it's just a tough kind of, you know, speed bump for them to get there ultimately. Well, and just to that point, so when you're drafted, you have a uh, four-year contract. If you're a first-round pick, you have a fifth-year option. And so NFL teams, if they draft you in the first round, they know, and they're probably going to pay you before then if you're a really great player, but they know that they have six years of control, of player control. I mean, that is a ton of control when you include the franchise tag. Um, pertinent to our discussion of Sully's impending nuptials here, a lot of players believe that the franchise tag is the equivalent of someone refusing to propose. It's like, okay, you really, really like me because you don't want to let me go, but you don't like me enough to lock me down. You know, and it's, so it's like, it's like a promise ring, which no, nobody wants a promise ring. I mean, yeah, no offense if you guys gave your lady friends promise rings. Nobody, nobody, you know, nobody wants that. They want the engagement ring. They want to, they want to get married. And I think that's sort of the analogy for the teams. As far as a non-exclusive and exclusive tag uh, breach, what is the biggest, would you say, difference? I mean, the Lamar thing to me, with the exclusive tag, you can negotiate. You cannot negotiate with other teams. With the non-exclusive tag, other teams can come in and offer a uh, attend, offer a contract to the player, give up two first-round picks, and get him on that contract. It's a very convoluted. Very, I don't, I don't recall it ever actually happening. Yeah, uh, that's the thing, Brenton, is that most people thought the Ravens were crazy for putting the non-exclusive tag on Lamar Jackson last year. When in fact. The non-exclusive tag is the more common tag used. I mean, with quarterbacks, uh, it generally is the exclusive one. But when you look at all other positions on the field, it is generally the non-exclusive tag. Uh, if you watch on YouTube, Harry's got the little cheat sheet up there that tells you some of the notes. And basically, and we saw this with Lamar Jackson, and this is the, the key here, is that the player who gets hit with the non-exclusive tag can go out and negotiate with another team uh, and then once that happens, the original team, so last year the Ravens would have had five days to match any outstanding offer. And if they did not do that, and say Lamar Jackson had switched teams last year, the new team has to give two first-round picks to the old team. And so that is really why we have not seen uh, anyone change teams under these rules in a very long time. The last time it happened was back in 2000, 24 years ago. Uh, with Joey Galloway. So we see this tag used all the time, but we do not see players change teams all the time because no one wants to give up two first-round picks to get some guy, and plus they're signing him to a huge contract. So not only are you 
signing a huge contract where you're giving up the draft pick. So it, it just, yeah, you don't see guys change teams very often. It's one of those things, too. I don't think we're ever going to see it. Because if it didn't happen last offseason with Lamar Jackson, basically out there for the taking for a lot of these teams, I, I don't know what other circumstances there are for a play. Like if Patrick Mahomes, I guess, becomes available, then sure, you know, a team will come up. But you had, and at that point, an MVP caliber quarterback who was on to his second MVP out there for you. All you had to do was pay him money and give up two draft picks. I mean, you know, I'm, I'm up here in new England. There are three teams up at the top of the draft that are going to use a first round pick on a quarterback that might be good. I think if you can guarantee yourself that you're going to have an MVP quarterback, you give up that other first round pick and you just pay the dude his money. I, I'm surprised it didn't happen last year. And it makes me think that that's not going to happen anytime soon. Uh, by the way, do you guys remember, um, the uh the i'm trying to i'm trying to make sure that i'm correct here yeah so the in 2006 this is i mean i mean do you know where i'm going with this the steve hutchinson do you remember the poison pill contracts that they used to do yeah so hutchinson's deal hutchinson was given the transition tag by the seahawks which again you know, transition tag Beautiful transition to the transition tag. Thanks. Uh, great job, Harry. Uh, players free to negotiate with other teams. When your deal, you see the numbers there, the cap percentage average of the top 10 greatest uh, players at the player's position or under 20% of his previous year salary. So uh, Steve Hutchinson went out, was given the tag, went out and negotiated. The Vikings offered Hutchinson a deal that included, it was $49 million over seven years, which is hilariously low for a guy who is Hudson, Hudson, the Hall of Fame. Do you have a Hall of Fame? Yep. Um, yeah. Hall, for a Hall of Fame, like like all time guard, great dude too. Um, but it, it, I think he actually played against Pete Prisco in, in high school in, in South Florida. But um, if Hutchinson was not the highest paid linebacker on his team, Lyman. Excuse me, Lyman. Yeah, the contract automatically became fully guaranteed, like immediately. And so the Seahawks could not sign him because Walter Jones made more than Hutch. And it would mean that Hutch would, they would just have to give him like $49 million right away. So Hutchinson left to go to the Vikings and um, the Seahawks received nothing in return. They later tried to get back, I think, at them with Nate Burleson on a, on a poison pill deal. And eventually in the 2011 CBA, they wiped out poison pill contracts, which frankly is kind of a shame. Cause it would be pretty cool if you had like, cause if you're, if you're the last year, if you're the Falcons with Lamar Jackson, you could have included certain stipulations that would have made it prohibitive for the Ravens to match whatever offer sheet you gave him, et cetera, et cetera. Like if Lamar is within five miles of crab cakes uh, at any point during the season, he receives a $10 million raise or something, you know, like something like that. And um, there's no crab cakes in Atlanta. And so you, you get the point. Like you could, there's stuff you could do. They've done like playing time and stuff, and that that got wiped out. But uh, it's a much more sort of straightforward exercise, and you don't usually see with the transition tag and the non-exclusive tag other teams negotiate with those players because there's a reason why they're getting those tags. The numbers for this year's tag, very quickly. Oh, Harry, you rule. I thought you might have seen that in there. If you're watching on YouTube, YouTube.com. Well, real quick on the transition tag, Brent, so let me throw this in, is that uh, if you transition tag someone, they go sign with another team, you do not get any draft pick compensation. You just lose the player. So there is some risk associated with hitting someone with a transition tag, which is a big reason why we do not see it used very often. As a matter of fact, I'm glad Harry does not include this trivia here because this is trivia for you two. Who was the last player to get hit with a transition tag? Do you know? I want to say, did, it, like, Lugare, it, did Lugare Blunt get the transition tag? Do you know that? Was that it seems like a one. good guess. I want to say it's like a Bengals tight end. Uh, do you have a guess? A specific name? Or you just um, Hayden Hurst? No, he went in Bengals tight end. Um, who's, the guy, who's the guy they drafted in the first round? The answer is not a Bengals tight end. It yeah. is Kenyon Drake. He got hit oh. with the transition tag in 2020 by the Cardinals. That's right. That's right. Yeah. And it's like... Yeah, I mean, it's transition tag is not you. Now you can also you can use you can only use one franchise tag per team, but you can use the franchise tag and the transition tag at the same time if you were so inclined. I thought the Giants should have tried to explore that with Daniel Jones and, and Saquon Barkley last year. And you see, you know, like let Saquon go negotiate and bring Daniel Danny Dimes on the, on the franchise tag. They'd be in a lot better position uh, than they are 
right now. Harry put those numbers up. Um, $36.4 million of rounding up here for the quarterback for a one-year deal. Linebacker, 22.8. DT, 21 million. Wide receiver, 21, 20 and change. Defensive end, 20 and change. Offensive line, right at 20. Cornerback, 18 million. Safety, 16.3 million. Running back, tight end, 12 million, which is really low for that position in, in 2024. Running backs, 11.348 million. And that's why you see running backs get tagged and then kickers and punters. You don't see teams rarely, teams rarely do it. I think this is the last the last uh do you remember the last punter to be tagged uh punter no i can't i, I feel like robbie gold might have been the last kicker kicker tag i had pretty sure the last punter tagged was todd oh yeah sorry go ahead you gotta guess Sully. uh no nah, go for it who, who would it be todd sauerbrown by the uh by the carolina panthers like back Ooh. in i don't know i can't remember when that was 5.68 million dollars for those guys okay let's take a break and when we come back We'll discuss what players in this 2024 offseason are good candidates to be tagged by their teams. Next. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. All right. Welcome back to the Big Six Podcast. Will Brinson, John Breach, Tyler Sullivan, and we are breaking down what players are likely to be tagged um, th- these decisions vary by sort of team. You see, like, depending on how long, like, the front office has been in place, ownership, like, there's different philosophies. The Patriots, for instance, um, didn't often I – forget, I forgot to do that Matt Slater thing off the top, didn't I? Um, the, uh, the, Patriots for, the Patriots very often don't tag guys. And speaking of the Patriots, why don't we just fit this in real quick? Matthew Slater, retired. Um, this is probably going to fly under the radar for a lot of NFL fans. because. But I think you can make the case that Matthew Slater is Bill Belichick's favorite player of all time. Yeah, that's probably true. I mean, it's one of them. I mean, he's, he was advocating for him to go to the Hall of Fame earlier this season in December. I, I think it's, he's going to be kind of an interesting case study. I think you're going to see a lot of different opinions about whether or not he's a candidate for the Hall of Fame. You know, that's going to be a topic of conversation. But from a just a Patriots 2024 standpoint, I think it's interesting. I mean, it's kind of a good time for him to go, obviously, moving on from Bill Belichick. But he was the leader or one of the leaders in that locker room. You're bringing in a lot of new faces. I almost kind of feel like he would have been great to kind of keep around for one more year to help you transition into the Gerard Mayo era. So, you know, from that standpoint, it could be a little shaky, but ultimately great player. You know, at his position, great leader, and from the minimal interactions that I've had with him, swell guy, and anything that you ever hear from him, really nice dude. Ten Pro Bowls, a bunch of first-team All-Pros. I think he's got five, eight all- overall. I think, like, there were three of them were a second-team All-Pro. He has accolades to potentially be a Hall of Famer. It's just he's a special teams specialist, so I don't know if he gets in. He would need sort of a window like Devin Hester got right. this year, and he didn't really have the, the, the peaks Right. There's yeah. no like number to really quantify how great he was, other than just to say he was in 10 Pro Bowls. So I'm trying to think. I don't know if I'll tell the story just because it's like. Well, real quick with Matthew Slater is that you have, the, I would say, the only other special teams player that became as much as a household name, as much as you can know who a, a special teams player is, is probably Steve Tasker. And he's still not in the Hall of Fame. So it's just one of those things where I'm not sure the committee's ever going to give specialists their due. Kickers have a tough time getting in. Punters have a tough time getting in. 
Uh, as we saw with Devin Hester, uh, returners have a tough time getting in, even though Hester did finally or did get in. Uh, so uh, Tasker or Matthew Slater getting in, I think, would be a surprise, even though I do think they probably deserve to be in because you can't just say one phase of football doesn't matter and not put those guys in. Yeah, and, and also, like, he's retiring at a time when – a bunch of guys who put up huge numbers offensively because of the changes in the rules, including his old teammate, Tom Brady. Like it is just a flood of guys who are going to be leaving the NFL and eligible for Canton. It's going to be difficult for a guy who's just a meat and potatoes, special teams guy to, to get in. Uh, my, my story is basically that at the Indianapolis, the 2011 Super Bowl, um, he had a podium and which is insane. Like he had a podium at the at media day. Uh, and I I uh, misidentified him as I, th I was thinking he was a cornerback and was asking him a question. He goes, bro, I'm, he's no, it's like he's like I'm Matthew Slater. I was like, thank God I'm the only person standing here talking to you. Because like, it was like my second Super Bowl. I was like walking around trying to like ask everybody a question. It's not that great of a story, but um, anyway. Let's move on to the next segment. Wait, his name is on the podium, right? I mean, I don't know how you screw that up. How'd you miss it? <laughs> I, I, don't, I, try, I can't remember what cornerback I thought he was. Oh, my God. What is it? Like, you know, know. No, Asante Samuel. No one's around him. <laughs> I don't know. I, I asked him a defensive question thinking that he, like, thinking that he also played defense, I think. I can't remember. He was just like, dude. I was like, my bad. <laughs> gonna leave he's like cool man see you bro <laughs> i'm walking around for like five minutes like i wonder if that was recorded on like the giant camera like uh anyway let's play tag him or bag him this tag him or bag him segment is brought to you by FanDuel sportsbook make every moment more i'm gonna give you guys a name and you can tell me whether you would tag them if you were the gm of the team whether you think the team will tag them um and uh or whether you'd bag them and let them walk We'll start in Jacksonville with Trent Balky, lover of long arms and hater of Jim Harbaugh. The Jaguars and Chargers get to play this year. That'd be great. Uh, Josh Allen, linebacker, outside linebacker, pass rusher, edge guy. Josh Allen, former first-round pick. Um, Sully, what's your tag? I think it's a no doubt he gets tagged. I think it's, it's clear. I mean, you just referenced it. The front office said as much at the end of the season. They're like, we expect Josh Allen. Or they said something even more definitive, like, Josh Allen will be a Jaguar in 2024. So it's, you know, that seems pretty legit. He's coming off of a career year. He had this franchise record in sacks, 90 pressures. I mean, the dude was one of the best pass rushers in the NFL. You don't let those guys go to market because it's yep. almost impossible to retain them. It's a very, you know, this might be one of the easier tags or at least decisions for Jacksonville. They, they can't lose a guy like this. Yeah, especially with all their questions on the on both sides of the ball, really, is that I don't know how much homegrown talent Jacksonville has, but Josh Allen is absolutely one of them. And he is coming off a season, as Tyler said, not just a career season, but we're talking about a guy who finished second in the NFL in sacks. He was just a bully this year. Uh, it, it, this was by far his best season, and there's no way. And, and if you think, hey, look, what if he regresses to year two or year three? That's an argument for the franchise tag because if you send yep. him a long-term deal, then you're stuck. You say, all right, let's see if he can do this for one more year, and then we'll go from there. So, yeah, I think this one's a no-brainer. I think Jacksonville has to franchise tag. And not only that, real quickly, you know, as much as you say how great he is, they need him for more ways than just keeping a homegrown talent. We always joke about the AFC South not being that competitive. It's about to flip over these next few years with C.J. Stroud yeah. and Anthony Richardson coming back. You need to disrupt these quarterbacks, and a guy like Josh Allen can help you do that. Yeah, I agree completely. And, I mean, yeah, AFC South looks like it's be much better. You also have the issue, too, Brian Burns in the 2019 draft class is a first-round pick. Um, he's We'll talk about him in a second. Actually, we just go ahead and mention him as well because I think the Panthers may be less likely to tag him then um then the Jaguars would attack Josh Allen like the Josh Allen thing's just done it's a done deal um I, I would expect Brian Burns is getting tagged I would not be shocked if the Panthers used the non-exclusive tag and allowed teams to negotiate with him or it should also be noted we've seen this Frank Clark uh I think there's another example too where you can tag a guy over the exclusive tag and just trade it and that happens that happens all the time. Uh, edge rusher salaries currently. I mean, Nick Bosa just broke the market up to 34 million per year. Let's look at TJ Watt, 28, Joey Bosa, 27, Miles Garrett, 25, Montez Sweat, Rashawn Gary, uh, 24, 
Max Crosby, 23 and a half, Khalil Mack, 23 and a half, Bradley Chubb, 22. It's like you have to, these both Josh Allen and, and Brian Burns are going to command in that upper echelon, not the Nick Bosa number, but like in that upper echelon of, of contract. And so that's a lot to give out for guys who have been inconsistent. I assume you guys would also be tagging Brian Burns. Yeah, I think yeah. that's, well, that's the thing though. Yes, because of the player and because of the talent, but where this team is right now, yeah, agree completely. It, does it make sense for them to really invest that much into that player, or is he a great like you're mentioning tag and trade or tag and trade? Know. Seems like it makes the most sense because this yeah. team has so many holes on their roster that right. you want to fill it, but you also do not want to let Brian Burns just walk away in free agency no. and get nothing in return. So I think at the minimum, if you are thinking about letting him walk, that you call up teams like, look, we're going to tag him. Do you want him? Brian Burns, by the way, also just 25 years old at the end of his rookie deal because he was drafted at the age of 21, Josh Allen, 26. I mean, but you're, that's the thing is like, if, if you're the Jaguars and you have Trevor Lawrence and you feel like you've got a team that made the playoffs last year, you, you have like, you have to, like, you probably want to work towards a long-term deal because you want this guy in his prime over these next few years. If you think you can contend, I, I argued on uh, with my buddy Adam gold on 999, uh, the fan in, in Raleigh on Monday that, like Carolina is better off tagging Burns and trading him and getting a first round pick because this is not a team that is built to compete for the next two years. I don't think so. You know, I, I just think you're better off getting assets, even for a guy that, you know, if you signed to a big deal, you'd have through his, you know, age 29 season. All right. Next we had to reach town. I'm guessing John breach that you would not let T Higgins walk out the door. My, my favorite fact about T Higgins is that he was the first person drafted after Clyde Edwards Alaire. Like Andy Reid, come on, man. That would have, that would have imagined T Higgins on that offense with, uh, with Patrick Mahomes, but you won't be doing that because you'll be imagining T Higgins tagged on the Cincinnati Bengals, right? Breach. That is correct. I think that is the only move that makes sense. Look, the wide receiver tag isn't a huge number. We, we have the estimate, uh, you know, right around 20.7 million. It might go up a little depending on what the, the salary cap ends up being. But I think they have to. T. Higgins has been so productive. I mean, he has made some phenomenal catches. And I, you know, I understand why he doesn't want to be tagged because I'm sure he would love to either get paid like a number one receiver or go to another team and prove that he can be a number one receiver. But if you're the Bengals, you know, you have Jamar Chase at a very low rate for this upcoming season in 2024. And paying T. Higgins $20 million for the upcoming season isn't going to break the bank. You have a lot of salary cap money. I think the Bengals have the fourth or fifth most available cap space going into free agencies. Uh, yeah, so I absolutely do whatever is necessary to keep T. Higgins. And if that means franchise tagging him, then do it. Yeah, I, I would say keep him for sure. I mean, he's definitely... Yeah. Someone that, you know, this team, I know I, they almost kind of are getting, you know, underlooked as to how much they could legitimately be in the Super Bowl conversation next year. And I, I know that you have to pay, obviously, the Borough Murray's coming in. You have to pay Jamar Chase. But this is a team that could very easily be in the Super Bowl next year. And I, I don't think that they should be in the business of losing players. Now, if you don't want to sign them to a long-term deal, I could kind of get that. But for 2024... I definitely keep this guy aboard to see what the heights of this franchise can be. Here's the thing: if you don't keep T, if you don't keep T Higgins, if you don't tag T Higgins or sign him to a deal, um, Tyler Boyd's a free agent, and after that, it's uh, Andre Ivosivas and Trent Irwin behind him, along with Charlie Jones. Apologies to Andre for probably butchering his name. Uh, Jamar Chase is special player, elite talent. He's been a little banged up the last couple of years. You let T. Higgins walk, Jamar Chase gets hurt, you have Joe Burrow throwing to nobody. I don't see how they could possibly let him walk. And frankly, I think they have to figure out a way to get him under a contract. You know, it's going to be like $23 million a year, and you're going to have to pay Jamar Chase. Like Jamar Chase is going to get the biggest wide receiver contract. The issue for these teams and these wide receivers, and we'll talk about a couple more in a second, is that when Tyree Kill and Devontae Adams were traded, they were adamant their agents were adamant or they were adamant or somebody was adamant that no matter what, and the same thing with DeAndre Hopkins when he was traded too, originally to the Cardinals, they wanted to be the top paid wide receiver by some metric. And they didn't care how they got there, if it was funny money, whatever it was, they just wanted to be saying, I'm the top paid wide receiver. So they get traded and they have these contracts where Tyreek Hill gets $30 million a year and Devontae Adams gets 
$28 million a year. But if you look at the total guaranteed and the fully guaranteed numbers, it's just not up there. Now, they're probably going to end up collecting all the money, but it's it, the market has not regressed back to the level that I think a lot of NFL teams thought. And so T. Higgins is going to want $26 million a year. He's not going to take $22 or $23 million a year. And I think that's the problem with these long-term contracts. You know, Brandon Ayuk, another guy. But it's like it's just going to be really hard to convince these wide receivers to say take less on your average annual salary, even though you're getting more guaranteed because of those inflated top-end contracts. Next up, Giants running back, Saquon Barkley. Bag him or tag him, Sully? I, I don't know if I tag him. I think I let him – I think I bag him. I don't know if this team is a Saquon Barkley tag away from competing in the NFC East. I, I don't know if – you know, as much as he's meant to the franchise and I get all of those angles to why you would want to keep him around – I, I don't know if he'd be happy on the tag. So if you tag him and that's all you want to do, I don't know if that really. I, I know, can tell you he would not be happy on the tag. <laughs> right, exactly. So you, 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 it's not like, because, but it's a great point. It's not like you can just say, oh, he's tagged. He'll be totally fine with it. Sometimes with these players, you tag them and they're pissed about it. They don't want the, they don't want this at all. And you're almost creating a volatile situation as much as you want to keep the player you only want to keep them at a certain number and they don't like the number. Sometimes it's just not the juice isn't worth the squeeze. And for Barkley, I just don't know if this is one of those situations where you can tag them and ultimately hope to keep them in 2024. I think it might be a maybe tag and trade at best. Yeah, it feels like this relationship has kind of run its course. It seems like he was frustrated and uh, that, look, his tag number is also going to be higher than whatever the standard running back tag is going to be because he's going to get uh, 20% increase yep. on his salary from last season. So he's going to make over $12 million if you hit him with the franchise tag. And it does feel like it would be better for both sides to just kind of move on. I, you know, it's not just Saquon Barkley or just the Giants. It just seems like both sides would almost prefer that. And I think the New York Post actually reported on today, Tuesday, that it's unlikely that Barkley gets the tag. So it seems like that's the way they're leaning uh, you know, he's dealt with a few injury issues, and maybe if you're the Giants, you don't want to deal with that anymore. So, yeah, I probably do not tag him. Yeah, I think the only reason this is even a conversation, honestly, because the tag would be $12 million. It would put him – he would be the fourth-ish highest-paid running back, either the yeah, third, fourth or fifth highest-paid running back by McCaffrey, Kamara, Jonathan Taylor, and Nick Chubb, right about Jonathan Jacob, uh, Josh Jacobs, excuse me, in front of the pod, Josh Jacobs, who uh, got the tag last year, assuming he didn't get tagged again. And it's like ownership is the ownership loves him. It's the only reason they view him as the face of the franchise, this New York athlete. And it's the only reason that he is even in consideration for this tag, because otherwise you wouldn't allocate $12 million of your salary cap, even if it's going to be 250 million, like you still wouldn't want to do it for a running back who's been injured is going to be unhappy on that tag and is going to leave after next year anyway. So I think, yeah, maybe it's a situation where, you don't tag him, let him go test the market, see what he can get. If the market's really soft, and it usually is with these running backs, especially when you got like Derrick Henry's going to be out there, you know, this is, it's not an easy market. Maybe he comes back and signs a lesser deal with the Giants that, uh, you know, everybody can sort of save a little face. I think that's probably the, the best outcome there. Said to New England, Sully, also North Carolina, technically, Lenore Ryan. The man drafted by Nike, the dog, Bill Belichick's dog, Patriot safety, Kyle Duggar, during the COVID draft, maybe the greatest draft moment of all time. Um, you tagging, you tagging Kyle Duggar? Yeah, I, th I think so. I think he's someone that is good for the system, familiar, obviously, with Gerard Mayo. I think that he's someone you try to emphasize to keep around at a relatively, you know, decent number for safeties. And he's played extremely well, versatile, can play cover safeties, can work in the backfield, uh, you know, in the back end of the in the secondary. I, I just feel like he's somebody who could potentially develop into that leadership role as well. I mean, we're just talking about Matt Slater. I think that he's somebody that could eventually, not only for his contributions on the field, but also from a locker room standpoint, I think he buys into a lot of what Gerard Mayo is selling. And for a first-year head coach, you need to have as many guys in your corner as humanly possible. And I think Duggar could be one of them. And this team is going to be led by their defense. They might have a young quarterback, but they're going to be a defensive-minded team. And so if you can have a playmaker like Duggar, I think that that makes a lot of sense for them. And they have a ton of money to burn.
Yeah. Yeah. And it's always point. Look, if you're Mayo, you don't want to be going. You already have a guy who understands the defense. He's familiar. You know, this is not going to be a huge scheming difference from what Belichick's doing. And you want these guys that already know your system around. And you have someone who who is just kind of a chess piece you can put anywhere. Uh, so, yeah, I, I think this one makes sense. Be the fourth highest paid safety, I think, because um, the number is 16.258 million. That would actually put him above Jesse Bates, behind only Derwin James, Minka Fitzpatrick, and Jamal Adams, who I think is probably getting cuts. So maybe the third highest paid safety. This is really one, I think, that with the new head coach, young player, versatile, fits in the scheme, was on the Mayo defense. Um, would make a lot of sense to actually figure out a way to get a deal done. And, and like you said, they got tons of cap space, so not, not a huge problem there. Um, have you heard anything, Sully, about that, like a possible deal? for? No, I think that you're right. I think that the ears probably a handful of guys the Patriots want to retain. He's certainly one of them. I think Michael Wenu is another one. Hunter Henry's another one. You know, this is a team in transition. He's young enough that you could start to kind of build these pieces with. He could be one of the leaders on defense. I just think that this makes a lot of sense, not only as a tag, but as you mentioned, as an extension as well. Man, that's a lot. It's a lot for safety. All right. Anyway, moving on. Safeties aren't cheap, Brenton. Safeties aren't cheap. And look what uh, look what Jesse Bates did to that uh, the defense for for the Atlanta Falcons this year. All right, Ravens. That's just a big old shot at you, Breach. Ravens defensive tackle Justin Matabike. Fun name to. Name to say, what an amazing year for him. Um, this is a guy that if he's not franchise tagged, you can guess where every single person on the planet who covers the NFL is going to predict where he might be signing in 2024, uh, the offseason, because his, his old DC, Mike McDonald, now the head coach of the Seattle Seahawks. Bagger to tag it, breach. Uh, yeah, if I'm the Ravens, I absolutely tag him. I mean, we're talking about a guy who as a defensive tackle, you know, we see some some big numbers from the the pass rushers, but look, the, to me, this one's another no-brainer. I mean, you're talking about a guy who had 13 sacks and just kind of transformed what the defense was able to do, and I'm sure Mike McDonald will be the first person on the phone, as you mentioned, Brinson, if the Ravens didn't pull the trigger on the franchise tag, and I know the Ravens probably know that, so they're thinking if we don't want to lose them, we don't have much of a choice here. So it's really crazy what he has done since his rookie year uh, when he wasn't even a full-time starter. So you're talking about from season one in 2020 to, to season four in 2023, and he's just become this force that is a key part of the Ravens defense. 26 yeah. years old was yeah. just a, an absolute stud for them. And if, if you're a Ravens team, you were right there to get to the Super Bowl and a lot of that was because of your defense. I know that obviously Lamar won MVP, but the, the calling card for this Ravens team was their defense. You mentioned it. They lost their defensive coordinator. And as we've seen over the last few years, when you lose those coordinators, it's a huge deal sometimes. And so yep. if you want stability, <laughs> if you want to keep this team and firing on all cylinders on that side of the ball, you try to keep as many playmakers as possible. This dude, again, 26 years old, it's a no-brainer. 13 sacks last year after having eight and a half combined in his first three seasons with Baltimore. His first three seasons, he also had 16 quarterback hits. Last year, he had 33. I mean, that is ridiculous. Uh, tackles for loss numbers, you know, 12. This is a guy that puts against a ton of pressure. And I would think that you could tag him and sign him to a long-term deal that is sort of below market because even though the numbers are there and the production is there, it is just a single year and he is not on the radar of your average. Like, I know that doesn't necessarily matter as much when you're talking contracts, but he's just not on the radar as like an elite, you know, elite you know, defensive pressure guy. So I think, I think there's a decent chance to make a move there and you get the cheaper tag at defensive tackle. Um, I don't know. Defensive tackle is more this year. 20.986 versus 20.247 for defensive end. That's kind of rare. Interesting to note there. All right, next up, bag or tag, Buccaneers. Actually, we can just go across the board on the Buccaneers. Um, Antoine Winfield, safety. Baker Mayfield, quarterback. 
And then Mike Evans, you can include, although there's some weird stipulation with Mike Evans getting tagged where it would be like really high for like higher than the average wide receiver tag. So uh, what do you think here, Breach? How do you handle the the Bucks? And do you have that Mike Evans stipulation on hand? So I'd have to Google it really fast. It is insane. Well, so you're not tagging Mike Evans because he his tag would be phenomenally high because of what his cap hit was. Uh last year. So I think the tag would be over $28 million, which is way higher than the receiver tag, um, which will be about 20.7 million, which we mentioned earlier. But with Antoine Winfield, I think uh, the Tampa Bay Times actually reported today that the Buccaneers would, if they, if they tag someone, it would probably be Winfield, which I still think is interesting because if you think it, it really says to either, they think they're confident they can get a deal done with Baker Mayfield, or they just aren't, completely sold on Mayfield despite the fact that he just had this huge season. So uh that this is a tough one. I think that I probably do because you don't want to kick the can with Baker Mayfield. I think that maybe you get it sign him to like a two or three year deal. Uh depend I mean if he's asking for 50 million, maybe you tag him. So I don't even know. I'm glad I don't run the Buccaneers front office, but I think I would probably tag Winfield over Mayfield. That's where I was going with that. That's the field I'm in. I think this is one of those things that we saw in New York last year, right? Where it was, you know, are they going to tag? Are they going to be able to tag Saquon because they got Daniel Jones under contract? Can they kind of swoop in under the rug, kind of get that thing done quickly? I think you kind of go into that same kind of mode here with Tampa Bay. I would be prone to do everything I can to keep the quarterback, especially if you feel like he's a guy that you can have for the next few years, like you were saying, Breach. But I also look at Antoine Winfield, and you know, anytime I turn the Bucks on this year, this dude was making plays. I mean, he oh, was stunning. not only just piling up stats. I think he had like six sacks. He, you know, I think he led the the league in forced fumbles, or was tied for the lead in forced fumbles. He was a, a key anchor for them defensively, and so I kind of lean on keeping him. But again, I don't know how you can look into the abyss at quarterback and just say, "All right, let's see what happens." Because if you're Baker Mayfield. Like I know that you had a successful season in Tampa Bay, but you're not going to look around after that great year and see if your Atlanta your will pay you more. Coordinator's gone too. Exactly. Nathan Alice is in is in Charlotte with the Panthers now, and you might be so, losing Mike Evans. We don't know what's going to happen with him. So, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of variables there. I, I'm with you. I think that um, I, I I agree. With you. I think I think I agree completely. The Bucks have to be thinking quarterback is more important than anything, but at the same time, it's like. I mean, Antoine Winfield is a guy you drafted who is a key player for that defense and a superstar. You know, can you hammer, like, you'd love to hammer out a deal with him. And it, but it also sounds like, I know there's like some rumor about Baker going to the Patriots or like the Patriots swooping in and stealing Baker. And I, I don't really buy that. Um, I don't know. No, if you, I, if you I, heard I don't know. If, I don't know if that happens. I think, you know, I think that there's a scenario where Mike, the Patriots Mike, go better. Mike Florio, Mike Florio is having himself an offseason so far. You sure? Like, yes. like, like, does he end up on an age discrimination issue? Like, he's like <laughs> Baker needs to go to the Patriots. It's like this feels. Like, it's like what is what is Florio going to be firing off in July? If this is what he's shooting off in in February. <laughs> We're going to get some insane quarterback trade rumor from Florio at the combine. He's a, he's he's on he's on a heater right now when it comes to. Brady and Belichick re- reuniting with the Panthers. That's right. Right. Um, but, it, you know, I think that it does feel like, contrary to that report, that Baker wants to be in Tampa Bay, that he likes the the setup there. The, you know, he, he had success in his first year there. I think he and Jason like the GM get along. So I, I would say tag Antoine Winfield and play chicken with Baker personally, just because a lot of the teams who are quarterback needy are high in the draft. And probably going to be making picks, and, and maybe you know, I don't think you're going to have a ton of competition for Baker as, as as previously thought. All right, last one: Dolphins, Christian Wilkins, stud out of Clemson, tagging or bagging breach. So this is the only decision I am going to make based fully on the team salary cap situation. Uh, you look at where the Dolphins are right now. They are so far over the cap that is almost laughable. I, they're more than $50 million over the salary cap. They have to have everything in order by the time free agency starts on March 13th. And if you tag Wilkins, you have to be able to fit his entire salary under your cap. So that's going to knock you up to 74, 75 million that you got to get figured out. I, I do know that, look, you can restructure contracts 
and, and get that number down. But this just makes it incredibly difficult. So I think if you're the Dolphins, uh, you work as hard as you can to get a multi-year deal done. And if it doesn't happen, you say, look, man, we love you, but we got to let you walk because this just doesn't make sense for us. I think that's exactly what's what's going to happen there. I think that that's the, the situation that they find themselves in just because of their, their cap constraints. Ultimately, I think that he might be one of the biggest beneficiaries of not being tagged because we're going to see the likes of, like we were just saying, we think Matabike is going to get tagged. Chris Jones is probably going to stay in Kansas City. A lot of these defensive tackles are not going to make it to market. He might be the top dude on there and really catch a bag, which is great because he's a Massachusetts he might, be, he might be the best available free agent in the league yeah. if he doesn't get tagged. Christian Wilkins is a star, man. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, at least I think he is. Um, nine sacks last year. Good time to do it. He is, he is 28, but I mean, still, he's, he, would, he would get, yeah, uh, he would get it back. We'll know, if he's the, we'll know if he's the best free agent in the league because I think Prisco has his top 100 free agents coming out tomorrow on Wednesday. Never even heard of that guy, Prisco. Um, I, uh, <laughs> I do think it's worth noting, too, here. So if the Dolphins tagged him and they were still trying to figure out their salary cap thing, he could wait and wait and wait until the last minute to sign it. And if the new league year began and he hadn't signed his tag, and so it wasn't – although I guess it's actually technically if they've tagged you, it still applies to the salary cap even if he hadn't signed it. So like, there's a situation where they might have to rescind the tag if they were over it, like, they, you know, if they couldn't come into a deal. So, yeah, I mean, that's good Good for Christian Wilkins. That could equal getting paid. All right, that's it for Tag Talk. Take a break. When we come back, lessons learned from 2023 next. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. All right. Time to look at some lessons from 2023. We each have one Yours is very simple. Yeah, this one is simple, but I think it's obvious at this point because every year we try to talk ourselves into doing it, and that is never bet against the Kansas City Chiefs. Preach I just there to preach freeze there. Did I freeze? Yeah, a little bit. Try no, to talk ourselves into. I Brinson, could maybe, maybe you froze. Uh, oh, that was you, Brinson. Oh, um, totally possible. Totally possible. No, but I think it's never bet against the Chiefs. It's that simple. Every year we sit here in August and we try to talk ourselves out of the Chiefs. It we saw the year where the Broncos added Russell Wilson. It was like, oh, they're going to be so much better. Or the Raiders have Jimmy Garoppolo. Or the Chargers are absolutely stacked because they added all this talent. This is going to be their Chiefs get knocked off. Chiefs traded away Tyreek Hill, and they were plus 160 to win the division. Right. In or, freaking August, like. or the Chiefs uh, don't have anyone to throw to. Patrick Mahomes has no receivers. What are they going to do? Travis Kelsey's getting too old. We come up with new excuses every single year. And every year the Chiefs laugh in our face. So I will not be betting against the Chiefs anymore. I think it's a good lesson. I mean, you know, you see everybody who gets these, it's like, oh, yeah, I got my Super Bowl prediction right. It's like, you did. You picked the Chiefs. Like, and, but I mean, it, it is, I, I think that we maybe took for granted a little bit just how, and Sully, you, you understand this as well as anybody because you live in New England. Like, this is what the Patriots were like. For 20 years, you can pick somebody else to win the AFC. Knock yourself out. It's probably going to be it's going to probably going to be New England it with a shot at the AFC title game at absolute worst. Yeah, it's crazy how similar their like inevitability is to this yeah. to the most previous Patriots kind of run of Super Bowls. It reminds me of the same exact thing. It's it's pretty remarkable. And even going into this postseason, you know, you could say like you were saying preseason. Oh yeah, no, I picked the Chiefs to win the Super Bowl. It was a lot harder to say that going into the postseason, especially after seeing the wide receivers struggle the way that they did. We all thought that was going to be their Achilles heel. But you know what? 
they played great defense. They could run the football, and they still had Travis Kelsey and Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid running the show on the sidelines. When you have stuff like that, it, it's just it's hard to take down, especially a guy like Patrick Mahomes who can literally change a, play, a, a game on a dime. So they're they're a team that I think you can now just pencil in, like you could the Patriots over the last few years. The floor is the AFC Championship. Wake yeah. me up when they get there, and let's see what happens. And it's worth noting too. It's like I mean, look. Ryan Wilson not here, so he can't defend himself on this. I said for like the final five to six weeks of the season, I was like, okay, the Chiefs don't look great. We can be panicked about them, but what if their offense turns it flips a switch? And we saw Patriots teams like Wilson's like, that's just not gonna happen. It just can't happen. <laughs> yeah, it can. It did to a degree. And and they had a bunch of sco- scoreless quarters and scoreless drives in the playoffs. Um, but we've seen we saw for years Patriots teams that weren't that great. You just get it. You get them to the playoffs, and they just have these different advantages with coaching at quarterback, where they and they and they know how to win in these spots because they've won so much. It's like you just actually Patrick Mahomes win four games, Sully. And not only that, like it's it, again, it's just eerily similar to how I, I watched the last few years with Brady and Belichick with Andy Reid and, and Patrick Mahomes as. They also have this, you know, I said inevitability, but they also have this like weird voodoo magic where all of a sudden these teams just make these crazy mistakes yeah. and they just pounce all over it and they win the game. I mean, a muffed punt in the Super Bowl where it kind of kicks a, a returner in the in the ankle and they somehow get into the red zone and they score a touchdown, it completely flips the game. That stuff doesn't happen all the time, but it does seem to happen to the Kansas City Chiefs very similar to how often it happened with New England. It's just, it's one of those things where just, I don't know if it's luck or if it's it's some voodoo or whatever is going on there, but they have that thing that really centers around them winning as well. Yeah, there's some quote. Um, I'm trying to find it right now. But I probably won't get to it, but it's it's. I'll, I'll paraphrase it. Um, Bill Walsh. I mean, like all these. You know, it's like before you can win the fight, you've got to be in the fight. I mean, one that applies, but then two, it's like it, it, he basically said, if you keep your cool when bleep hits the fan. You don't have to like elevate your game. You just have to maintain your level. Everyone else is going to freak out and you're going to like, you know, you're going to benefit from that. And, and we've seen that certainly with the Patriots and now with the Chiefs as well. All right. My lesson. Oh, sorry. Breach, you got another one. No, go, go, go. One lesson each. Okay. One lesson each. My lesson. Patience with a head coach can sometimes pay off. And we saw that this year with Dan Campbell. He started in 2021 0-10-1. And finished three thirteen and one. In twenty twenty two, he started one and six. When he was one and six, when the Lions were one and six in twenty twenty two, so you're talking like what four nineteen and one in Dan Campbell's tenure. There was definite talk about him on the hot seat and getting rid of Dan Campbell and firing Dan Campbell because it's not working out a year and a half in. And Biden ankles is coming back, and we're talking about that. And this happens all the time with NFL coaches and with college coaches, where you struggle out of the gate, the bad team. The Lions were patient. Campbell ripped off a bunch of wins to close the season. I think he finished nine and eight. Obviously, you're not going to fire him after that run when he beats Green Bay on Sunday night to knock the Packers out of the playoffs. But then they come back this year and make the NFC title game. And I just think there are franchises, I mean, hey, Carolina, that would have said, well, this isn't working a year and a half in and fired Dan Campbell, and you'd be rebooting all over again. Who do you think that is now? Who is the team that should preach patience for the situation that they have, as opposed to like you're saying, like they pull a Carolina and just and just blow it up, like a Carolina. Um, I mean, Zach. By the way, Zach Taylor could example. I mean, Zach, yeah, Zach Taylor could example that too. Breach, we think maybe. Yeah, I was absolutely going to bring up Zach Taylor. Uh, that look, they started two and fourteen. They expected low. They didn't expect much from the team in 2019. Andy Dalton's last season. Uh, and then even Joe Burrow's rookie year, after he tore his ACL, they kind of just went into the toilet. They went 4-11-1, and it was just like, uh, this guy has six wins in his first two seasons. He is 6-25-1. How can you justify keeping him? There are a lot of people calling for his head, uh, but if there is one thing the Bengals don't do, it is fire their coaches two years in the contract, and the patience paid off. You go to two straight AFC title games, you go to a Super Bowl, So absolutely, there are situations where this makes a lot of sense. And I think that's a problem with everybody's we want results now is that sometimes you do need that patience. And Dan Campbell and Zach Taylor are very good examples of that. I think if I was going to pick a team right now that's in that spot, I would say the Giants. I think they had that first good season with Brian Dable. 
Last year, six and eleven. People are like, we're out of the Giants. These guys sucks. These guys can't don't know what they're doing. Like it looked to me very clear, like they know what they're doing that first year. If anything, they're a victim of their own success because they they won games, went to the playoffs that first year. And it reminds me, I've said this a ton, it reminds me of the Buffalo Bills when Sean McDermott took over. Brian Dable was there with him. Um, how, like, surprising first year, step back in the second year, and then, you know, find your quarterback. They still got to do that, but find your quarterback and maybe have success. I think you could also argue that the Bills qualify. Like, no, the Bills don't qualify. Dan Campbell and, and, and Zach Taylor were absolutely – nobody would have questioned them if they got fired after two seasons. Yep. It's, it, like, well, season, season they they yeah, might yeah. qualify for a different conversation. Different, but not, yeah, different conversation. Fair. Right. Like, yeah, I, I see what you're saying reason. where they could you, – yeah, like, I just feel like people are like, well, this Buffalo thing's done. Let's pull the plug and reboot the whole thing. It's like it's been a good football team in the last few years. I think Jonathan Gannon in Arizona is one too. I think that he's, you know, I think he kind of got clowned on when he first got hired in Arizona. And then, you know what? They were kind of spunky. They weren't like, they weren't awful. They weren't terrible. And if Kyler Murray's even somewhat decent, I think that this team, even if they struggle a little bit out of the gate, I think that he's a, he's a decent head coach. I think they actually will be all right. And you can I'll, add somebody like uh, the league neighbors or Marvin Harrison Jr. in the draft. Yep. And all of a sudden you get a game changer. I'll throw a wild card out there. How about the Chicago Bears? Ooh, preaching patience so. there. They went from three and fourteen the plus's first season to seven and ten last season. And so, still on the, on the hot seat the whole way to the end, too. And, and he was, but you look at a lot of those losses. I mean, they had a bunch of one score losses. I think I want to say five of their uh five of their ten losses. It was just they felt like they were on the cusp, but again. You know, maybe they draft Caleb Williams and just to get the reset because you feel like you aren't going to get fired if you start over with a new quarterback. Uh, so who knows what they do there? That's their big question mark. But I do feel like maybe it pays off if they stick with Eber Plus. I don't know. That's the storyline of the offseason, what the Bears do with that number one pick now that Belichick's unemployed. Uh, all right, Sully, your lesson for 2023. It, perfect. It flows right in. And, you know, it's something that I think we can look at this offseason when we're starting to look at futures and win totals and all of that. Bet on teams that emphasize their infrastructure and their stability. If there's a lot of coaching changes, specifically at the coordinator spots, you might want to stay away. Philadelphia Eagles were coming off a Super Bowl. They kept Nick Sirianni. They still had Jalen Hurts, A.J. Brown, all these studs. You think, you know what? They're going right back. They were my pick to get into the Super Bowl against the Ravens. They were my pick to win the Super Bowl this year. One thing that I overlooked was the fact that they lost both of their coordinators that's, you know, we just look at it from a rookie quarterback standpoint to go, oh, that screws up their development. But when you lose two guys that are running your offense and defense, don't overlook that. Because so when we're looking at Baltimore and they lost Mike McDonald, OK, fine that, you know, maybe they'll be able to land on their feet. They got a lot of talented players. But you know what? He was the reason for a lot of their success. You can't just put it on John Harbaugh. You can't just put it on those players in that defense. He was part of that success. How much? We'll find out. But for me, sometimes I feel like it might be wiser to just stay away. One of the underrated things, I think, already of this offseason is the fact that the Houston Texans did not lose Bobby yeah. Slowick as their Good offensive time. coordinator. The fact that they're going to be able to give C.J. Stroud a second season of stability at their offensive coordinator spot cannot be overlooked. They just won the division. He won Offensive Rookie of the Year. I think that that is the biggest win so far this offseason they, they were able to keep him. You throw uh, Brian Johnson in there, too, with the Lions. Yep. Yeah, I, yeah, Same absolutely. Thing. Same thing. Great call. Um, two things there. One, uh, Sully, you were getting some serious heat in the streets with the uh, Eagles and the Ravens looking like the two number one seeds, of first bird Super Bowl. Like I, I, people were talking. People, people were talking. People were like, "Oh, Sully might have his pick," and, like, and then boom, the Eagles yeah, crashed. And then obviously, <laughs> yeah, the San Francisco broke them. Uh, and then secondly, like, and I'm not, I'm not taking a dig here at breach, but you know, the Titans hired Brian Callahan, and you look at the AFC North. Brentson taking a dig at me. No, but the Bengals lose their offensive coordinator, who we think is a pretty good offensive coordinator, even if he's not calling plays. The Browns, as a result, lose the best offensive line coach in football in Bill Callahan, Brian's dad, who goes to the Titans. And then you have the Bengals, the, excuse me, the Ravens losing Mike McDonald. You know, the Steelers add Arthur Smith. The Steelers lose Matt Canada. There's a, there's a lot of stuff sort of below the surface marinating there in the AFC North. I think it's really interesting from a – And from that's a, particularly like, my you, point. Below the yeah. surface, it's not just head coach and quarterback. There's that other stuff that you have to look at. 
Yeah, it's like it's like when people handicap games, they're like, well, I mean, everybody's healthy. It's like half the offensive line's missing. That's a big deal. You know, the, the the stuff that's below the surface matters as well. Is this Brenton though. talking himself into a uh, Steelers <laughs> Just, AFC Justin North Field, title? Steelers AFC pick? North title? Yeah, let's go. What is um, happening? All right. Anything else on uh, lessons learned in 2023? Learn a few life lessons. We get to those later. Sully's going to learn a big life lesson in 2024. What it's like to be married. Ooh, man, Sully. More rings than Kyle Shanahan. Yeah, we'll be back tomorrow. Brady and Dews. We'll be uh, going live at noon Eastern time. This will be our Wednesday show time because of life lessons learned elsewhere. (laughs) 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 For Sully. For Breach, I'm Brinson. Thanks for watching. Thanks for listening. We'll see you guys later.